0: Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto, home, life, business, boat, motorcycle, a wide variety of insurance needs. They cover it all. Season does a great job explaining it all. And they'll do everything they can to get you the best price. Saving money is so important. It's more important now than ever before. And you want to deal with the best in the business? That's Purdy Insurance. Market Street and Sunbury, go to purdyinsurance.com. And under our category dealing with the best in the business, that's why we deal with Sunbury Motors. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, great new inventory, best in new inventory, fabulous pre owned inventory, all with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. Sales staff great. Service department awesome. It's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Our play by play call of the day Iowa, no control over David Bell. O'Connell, pump fake, thrown to the end zone, and the ball is on the money. It's caught for a t- You sir are my hero. No señor, so, no señor, no señor. So Iowa falls on Saturday at home to Purdue, and uh, Purdue cracks the top twenty-five under Jeff Brom at four and two in the year. Uh, again, my point about LSU—it's multi-layered with that Orgeron. It's off the field. It's Title Nine. It's uh, not handling racial sensitivity correctly. It is um, players getting into trouble. Orgeron embarrassing the university with some of the off-the-field escapades he has. And the fact they're 9-8 and eight since winning the national championship. So all that means he'll coach the rest of the year, and he is then going to be searching for a new job. And my point is this. I know Penn State will play them next month in Florida, and I would say I will not be doing this. There are only two basketball games I won't be doing, and that's because this tournament's opposite the football game at Michigan State. So I'll be in East Lansing that night. Somebody has to explain to me why Will Wade still has a job. Anytime part of your biography starts with this paragraph, FBI wiretap show, oh boy, and you still have a job? Really? Wowzer. Amazing. All right, Steelers won last night in overtime, beat the Seattle Seahawks. Not pretty, but guess what? They don't do style points in the NFL, and we're joined by our good friend Chris Mack. Great to have you with us, sir. Uh last night's game was interesting. Uh maybe oh, too boy. maybe too interesting. Uh so it's not like watching a Ravens game where you feel like they're they're steamrolling people and just getting better every week. Are the Steelers getting better every week or is it hard to tell?
1: It's uh man, I, I, I you know what's crazy about this team is that after everything we've seen from them through the first six weeks. Um it was a much more circuitous route to get there, but I feel like they've wound up exactly where I expected them to be after the first six weeks. Okay. Three and three going into the bye. It just I you know, admittedly they did not arrive there the way we thought they would.
0: All right. Uh let's start with the running part of it. Um I know NBC spent a lot of time talking about Harris over and over and over again about how he's changed everything and blah, 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 and he's still mm-hmm. averaging 2.8 yards a carry. Uh, I mean,
1: where is this thing? Well, I, I think he has uh, improved individually, even if the numbers don't necessarily bear it out. Um, the offensive line has definitely taken some baby steps in the right direction um, over the last three to four weeks. It's just, it's it's going to take, I think, a, a a total commitment to the run game which to be honest, other than some moments uh, late third quarter, early fourth quarter last night, um, it, it felt like they did have that commitment to the run game that even if it was a day where the box was going to be stacked and they knew they weren't going to do better than three and a half yards a carry, which they didn't, I think they ended up at about 3.4, at least on Harris's carry, this, they did, um, that they, they stayed with it, um, which is important because they are not going to win. Last night was an anomaly in that they are not going to win many games. Uh, with Ben Roethlisberger throwing the ball forty times or more a week, it's just it's, it's not the prescription for their offense anymore. Um, so even on a week where it feels like they're they're running through mud a little bit, as, as it felt like last night, they've got to stay committed to that run game.
0: All right. Um, obviously, without Juju Smith Schuster, who becomes a prime target in all this? Fryer Booth get you know targeted as a secondary guy when Ben needed him, but who do you think's the game breaker in this group?
1: Well, I think we saw Deontay Johnson um, is going to continue to be their their number one target. He was before Juju went out, um, and he he will continue to be a guy who sees nine, ten, if not more targets per week. Um, It's still interesting to me that he and Roethlisberger, despite their time together, uh, still have uh, one, at least once a week a miscommunication, uh, and there were there was one last night. There there was one, uh, several with Chase Claypool last night. Um, it, it feels like Roethlisberger, and I know you know we're supposed to err on the side of the the veteran quarterback in those situations and say, well, yeah, he's probably the one that knows where the receiver's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. They're probably running the wrong route. But um, mm-hmm. it's interesting to me that he continues to have those miscommunication issues with guys that he's worked with for a while in the case of, of Johnson and, um, and Claypool. So I, I, I don't know what accounts for that, what that what, what's going on there. I mean, there are definitely times you can tell with Roethlisberger when his, when his throws are off, right? But then to also still have those issues where uh, he and the receivers are not on the same page is, is something uh, very, very strange for a veteran quarterback to have that uh, happening with guys that he's worked with for a while now.
0: Yeah, no question. What do you think of the def- the defense last night? Geno Smith has always struggled in this league, and he struggled early in this game. But then, as the game went, he got a little bit better, a little bit better. What do you think of the defense?
1: Well, I, what what I noticed anyway was that in the second half, especially that first drive of the third quarter, um, Seattle ran away from Cam Hayward, mm-hmm. um, and they they doubled up on. I mean, they. they they doubled up on the other side in the other direction, and it, it worked. You know, the, the, this defense has not lived up to the expectations, I think, that people have for it overall here in Pittsburgh. And the expectations are, you know, this has the the capabilities when you look at the, the roster being littered with first-round picks, all the resources that have gone into it, um, both trading up in drafts, trading picks, uh, trading first-round picks for guys. Uh, it hasn't lived up to those expectations on the whole. Sure, T.J. Watt, arguably the best player in football uh, when he's on, as he was last night. He was on Cam.
0: last night. I don't think, to be honest with you, Chris, I don't think he's been very good till last night. And I thought last night he was terrific.
1: Yeah, he's, he's the, i mean, they don't win that game last night without T.J. That, Watt. No doubt. Um, no question. And that's why you sign a guy like him to that contract. Uh, Cam Hayward— Somehow, at his age, continues to it feels like get better. But see,
0: then, I see. I think he's been the best defensive player
1: they've had all year. Not what he's certainly been the most consistent. Steve, yep. I'd agree with you in that regard. Absolutely, you can count on Cam Hayward being there every single week, yep. which is which is really impressive when you think about Stephon Tuitt and Tyson alu both being out uh for most of the year. um But the, the problem with the defense is that you've got game breakers, guys that are supposed to turn games around behind those guys in Devin Bush in the middle of the defense and Minka Fitzpatrick on the back end of the defense and both of those guys have been disappointing at least in in regard to expectations this year Minka Fitzpatrick has the potential to be a guy we saw when he first came over here from Miami uh, the potential to be a guy that has it feels like one big play a week right one big splash play as Mike Tomlin calls them whether it's a turnover uh, breaking up a pass Uh, you know whatever forcing a fumble or scooping one up and taking it the other way and sure Devin Bush uh, scooped up a football last night almost ran the wrong direction yeah yeah, Um, I know about
0: that I I mean that was almost a Jim Marshall moment I'm
1: sitting there going you gotta be kidding me it was, which would, would – oh, my gosh. Um, but, I mean, those those guys have to continue to, to show up every single week and have a big play in them every single week, and, and they just haven't yet. And it's for a guy that they traded up 10 spots to get in Devin Bush's case and a guy who they traded a first-round pick for in Micah Fitzpatrick's case, they haven't lived up to those expectations yet this year.
0: It's interesting because I know that there was a game earlier this year. where They had at least ten to fifteen thousand no shows. It looked like it was pretty full last night. Has that been a concern around town that there have been more no shows than usual at Heinz
1: You know, it was it was interesting. They there was about eight thousand, I want to say, last night. The, yeah. the number I saw was sixty thousand actually attended. So okay. it's come down a little bit from early in the year. Um, but I, I I try to I try not to blame that so much on on. The team and the way they've played. Uh, until we see that happen consistently throughout the year, I think Got there it. are, I think there are people that are just still wary about getting out for and, you know for I their agree, own. Reasons. I
0: agree with that. That's an excellent point. I agree with that.
1: Um, and so, you know, it's 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 something to keep an eye on, though. You know, if, if they should take a turn for the worse again, um, uh, especially when, when the schedule gets daunting later in the year. Yeah. You know, and the weather turns worse. You know, are people still showing up? uh when it's, you know, twenty eight degrees and, and and sleep and uh and you know the games don't mean as much anymore.
0: Yeah, I know. I was sitting out of my grandson's flag football game yesterday. I'm like a, this is loyalty. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is love, right? <laughs> this
0: is love. I love the little guy. All right. Uh just hanging there. Um all right. the the offensive line one is Obviously, a work in progress does Zach Banner have the potential not to make it great or awesome and incredible, but at least to make it a little bit better
1: i think i I think he does i mean okay. I, he he's um he's got the potential to to step in i think and and give them a little bit more in the run game than they're currently getting. Um, although Dan Moore Jr., uh, that's been a little bit more his strength, if you want to call it that, than pass blocking, or at least it was last night. The mm-hmm. problem is it's, it one guy is not going to fix it. Um, right. I was surprised that Banner got activated off of IR but then wasn't dressed and used as an extra tackle, an extra blocker. Last night, um, but they, they, their problems on the offensive line are more than inserting one guy here or there. It's just a matter of, of growth and maturity, and with you know, with, with two rookies starting um it, it's a second year guy who hasn't really i think blossomed quite the way we all expected him to and kevin Dotson at left guard mm-hmm. um there, there's just it, it's going to take time for this offensive line and even that may not be enough you know that's just time any any young offensive lineman needs just to, to, to feel comfortable well once mm-hmm. they feel comfortable then that's yeah. great but they've also got to be good once they feel comfortable live right. up to the to the expectations
0: Chris what's been the opinion of Matt Canada? I mean, he can only work with what he has, but what's been the opinion of him so far?
1: You know, I think most people have tended to err on the side of um wondering why Ben Roethlisberger is not full has not fully embraced the offense as much as uh, we were given signals in the preseason that he might. Um, there's th- Canada has been given a, a pretty fair benefit of the doubt to this point. Okay. Um, but then you, you see the start of last night's game, and you know who's coming up with those first ten to fifteen plays, those scripted plays. Yeah. Um, those once they got past that point, the offense they had their they, they had their fair share of moments. Uh, last night, where you looked at him and said, uh, "Okay, maybe there's something here," but the first ten to fifteen plays, they were terrible. Which is the script? Um,
0: which is the script?
1: Right, and that's long been that's been the problem here for going on two or three years now. Even going back to 2019 when Roethlisberger was out, um, those first ten to fifteen plays, and that wasn't Matt Canada, certainly. But it makes you wonder, you know. It, it was a big deal here the last couple of weeks when they scored on opening drives or scored in first quarters because they hadn't done it so often in the last year and a half. Even when they were going 11-0 and last year, they weren't scoring a lot in the first quarter or on their opening drives. So um, it, it's something to keep an eye on because, I, you know, look, I don't think we're getting the full Matt Canada experience because Ben Roethlisberger can only do so much of what Matt Canada would typically yeah, ask of right. his quarterback um, but if he should continue, I think he's got a free pass through this season mm-hmm. um, but um, if the offense should continue to struggle and not show some signs of growth um, then it's it's going to be it, it, the, the benefit of the doubt won't be as strong next year for Matt Canada.
0: Alright, so the, the bye week how do you feel about the timing of the bye week? I,
1: I think it's good in that, you know, they're at the very least going to catch what looks like a banged-up Cleveland Browns team coming out of the bye. Yeah, um, yeah
0: Kareem, so, Kareem Hunt, by the way, to the fans is out. So
1: Yeah, so, I mean, that's, that, that's one thing. Um, I do think it gives them an opportunity to maybe fine-tune some things uh, offensively uh, if they're going to commit to the run game find some things that work um i would have probably preferred another game or two before they hit that point because it is a very early buy and with a 39 year old quarterback um i worry that with 11 straight games to wrap up the year he could really start to show some some wear on the tires when we get to late december early january those last three or four games which are already against stiff competition
0: right no there's no question i mean that's that's going to be an issue moving forward for them along the way <laughs> do you feel like it's a really odd question, but in a lot of ways, this is a patchwork season.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it should have been the first of a, of a rebuild, if you want to call it that, mm-hmm. um, even if it's a, a, would be considered a rebuild on the fly. Um, but they, they chose not to do that when they brought back Ben Roethlisberger. So it is, It patchwork is the best way to, to put it. I think it's, it's sort of rolling the dice and hoping that you catch lightning in a bottle going into uh, late in the season and somehow qualify for the playoffs and somehow get hot there and let the old cowboy ride off into the sunset right but <laughs> i think i think we're all we're all smart enough to know that's probably uh, it's it's not very likely so you end up getting um whatever you get from rothelsberger this year and you would presume that's it and he does finally walk off but it's not into the sunset it's Uh, It's leaving behind an offense that hasn't quite found itself because it hasn't been able to run what the coordinator would like to run and uh, a defense that's relying on one or two stars to try and keep it afloat from week to week.
0: Chris, always great to have you with us. Thanks so much. Appreciate it very much.
1: Uh, Thank you, Steve.
0: All right, Chris Mack, always. Joining us on the show today, fabulous. Uh, We'll talk with uh, J.J. Cooper next half hour. Kate Scott on Wednesday's show. Uh, Matt, uh, Matt, with a full two-hour rant tomorrow. Uh,
1: <laughs> I have absolutely great. nothing to rant about this weekend, as far as well. No, actually, I really don't.
0: Tomorrow will be a new day. That's there true. There could be so- something that happens overnight that just makes your blood boil.
1: That's true. I guess we'll see. That's
0: how I feel every day. <laughs> I don't know what it, I don't know what he's going to rant about. It just it could be anything. It could be the, you know the restroom wasn't quite to your liking. You just go crazy. Oh, by yeah, Almighty! Oh, sad, really sad. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Uh, I've got to mention Nick Rolovich at some point before the show is over with. We're kind of waiting on his status at Washington State. This is the day that the state of Washington mandate goes in into, uh, into effect, and he's been waiting to see, and he doesn't know yet, um, about whether his religious exemption request has been accepted or not, and he could lose his job over it, and it could be as early as today. Now remember, it's only one twenty-four in the afternoon in Pullman. And it's only one twenty-four in the afternoon in Olympia. It's the state capital, uh, just in case the suit wasn't sure. Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Okay. Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. and they go up in the series. Both of them are walk-offs, and uh, there are a lot of questions about how Dave Roberts has been using his bullpen. Travel day for the Braves, and the Dodgers braves up two games to none, heading back to Los Angeles tonight. The Red Sox and Astros play. Eddie Rodriguez will be on the mound for the Red Sox tonight, the left-hander. And... Right now, for Houston, it's been, I mean, they've had to kind of cobble together their pitching staff at this point. They've got the offense, though. Got a lot of offense. All right, J.J. Cooper, minor league baseball, next half hour, and then we'll also update the Nick Rolovich situation at Washington State. Most of you probably don't realize, Washington State's actually won three games in a row. But they may not have their head coach tomorrow. We'll see. Taking your calls at 800 795 9565. This is The Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto, home, life, business, boat, motorcycle, whatever your insurance needs may be. They'll take care of it. make sure you're fully insured, get you the best price, because they'll price shop for you whenever they can. And uh, not only that, they'll update the policies. They're the best in the business. Purdy Insurance, Market Street and Summary, Go to purdyinsurance.com. And uh, we're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kier, Roots 11 and 15, almost wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Great to have back with us from Baseball America, J.J. Cooper. J.J., how have you been? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. You're probably still debating every move that was made in the Braves-Dodgers game last night. That probably could get us through the rest of the offseason. That was
2: crazy, and... The thing I can't come away from that series is is the Braves are up 2-0. The Braves are in the driver's seat right now, especially when you look at the Dodgers pitching and how it lines up. That said, it's amazing to me that the Dodgers have had way more base runners had way more opportunities. It's just that the Braves seemingly have brought in almost every little, uh, one of the very few opportunities they've had, and the Dodgers keep squandering their chances to score. There could be several big innings that they have just left, basically, uh, on the table.
0: Which is remarkable, and something else that the Dodgers do, which is goes counter to the analytics. When they steal bases, they get the bag, and they do steal bases at times.
2: They they are stealing them at a rate I don't think we've seen in the playoffs in years. They're doing an excellent job of it, but they're also then leaving those guys or standing at second base when uh, when the next batter strikes out, usually swinging over a uh, a low pitch. It seems like.
0: This is also going to be on display in the Red Sox-Astros series, for example, because the Red Sox late will go to Garrett Whitlock. Whitlock is a Rule 5. He had been with the Yankees. They got him in Rule 5. Look, it's not a lock to do any of this, Rule 5, but how productive can that be if you're smart with your approach?
2: This year is an unusual year for it because it's coming off of a season where there was no minor league season. So that added another level of uncertainty compared to normal. Garrett Whitlock is a perfect example of what that uncertainty kind of unlocked. He had been injured. So if you're the Yankees, you knew you had a guy who was pretty talented, but you didn't know how healthy he was because he hadn't really pitched. He wasn't an outside guy for them last year. If you're the Red Sox, when they drafted him, you just know that he's back throwing and all, but you're really taking a little bit of a chance. That created the opportunity to get a guy who, if we'd had a normal season, maybe he would have gotten to throw late in the season, had shown what it was, you know, what he had. Akeel Badu is another example of that. A guy who, you know, hadn't had upper-level minor league experience, went out and had success in his uh, debut year of a World 5 year. This was one of the best Rule 5 classes of the 21st century, and I can't help but think that the uh, the lost 2020 minor league season played a part in that.
0: Minor league baseball, which has been dramatically underpaid and there have been housing issues, has probably lost great prospects. You can tell me if I'm wrong about that. It probably has lost some great prospects over time because they just couldn't afford to keep doing it. What can the housing concession made by Major League Baseball maybe mean to keeping some of those prospects in the game and then possibly getting to the majors?
2: This is a very big deal for minor league players. Um, If you think about it, there's a lot of things that happen in baseball, especially minor league baseball. And if you say, why does it happen that way? The best answer is is because that's the way it's always been. And I think housing was always one of those situations. So for housing... It has always been generally it has been. There are a couple of teams that started to do differently, but generally, it has been the responsibility of the player to acquire housing. Well, the tricky part of that is is if I'm a minor league player and you send me to Lowa Dunedin, Florida, to start the season, and I have to get an apartment there. Well, usually, your most places they want a six month lease. Well, right. I'm a player. I signed that lease, and I'm a choice. By the way, they usually also want a security deposit. They want to do a credit check. Also, if you're a player and you're making $1,000 a month, you, know, you may even have trouble qualifying for it. But let's say you do. Well, there's no guarantee you're going to spend the season in Dunedin. You hope you don't. You hope at some point they promote you. So let's say down the road they promote you to high A, Lansing, Michigan, or whatever. Well, you may have that lease in Dunedin, but now you're in Lansing, and there's no provision to break that lease. So you're probably going to end up trying to get another player to sublet your, your room, but you're still going to be the one on the least. It's still going to be your security deposit, your credit report that gets dinged if the players who are still in that apartment don't pay their rent. You could end up being in Lansing for a while, find a place there, do the same whole process again, and then be promoted again. Say you're in New Hampshire later in the year. Well, right. every time you go, you're having to find a new place. That's your responsibility. What this is now going to do is say, no, 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 that's the major league team's responsibility. It's going to put a lot of money back in the pockets of these players, which basically are, were generally often spending almost all of their paycheck on housing in many places before. But the other thing, like you said, that it's going to do is there are players with this who will look at it and say, because I'm not going broke or going into debt to pay, to play during the season, I'll now give it another year. Whereas before, some of them would have said, I'm starting a family, I'm getting married, whatever it is, got to give up this dream. Now they're going to keep with it, and some of those players are going to end up being big leaguers because players develop at different rates.
0: J.J., minor league players are not uh, with the union. They don't get to the union until they actually get to the big leagues themselves. On November 30th, we all know that they're going to hit the impasse. And Major League Baseball, the collective bargaining agreement will run out. If there is a lockout, would minor league players be locked out, or would the minor leagues still be allowed to play?
2: No, they still play. Uh, if you go back to the yep. well, you go back to the 90s. There was, you know, when we had the lockout in 94, 95, minor leagues just rolled on because they're not part of the union, so they're not affected by. In that case, what goes on at the major league level, with the exception of players who are on the major league 40-man roster. So there would be some minor leaguers affected, but the vast majority of them keep playing as before.
0: Exactly. Okay. I knew the answer, but I'd rather have you confirm it. Uh, Next, the Atlantic League experimented, and of course they're not officially... Associated major league base, but their partner, they've got an office in Park Avenue, the whole deal. So, the last month of the season, I guess they moved the mound back to 61 feet, 6 inches. The bases are bigger and a robo-ump. Any word on how they felt those experiments went?
2: Now, let me say, they've had robo now going back to 2019 at the Atlantic League. So, that was, they've been keeping that going for a while. The moving the mound back, though, was new. It did make a big difference. I don't think we will see that go forward much because it didn't make that much of a difference. Why make such a massive change cause all this uproar if you don't see a whole lot of impact from it? But I will say this for that. That's a utility. I'm sure that some people hear that and go, how stupid was it? They did it and nothing really changed. But I've been hearing from fans and others for years saying, you know what we need to do? We need to move back the mound. Pitchers throw harder now, so we need to move it back. Well, now we can say, you know what? They tried that. It didn't make a whole lot of difference. Yeah, pitches did take a little longer to get to the home plate from 61 and a half feet. At the same time, breaking balls broke a little bit more. Because of that, it kind of seems like it all came out in the wash. Hitters had no much more advantage of hitting versus pitchers than they did at 60 feet, six inches. If that's the case, then that's an experiment that we probably shelved. Other experiments, bigger bases that they've done, that's probably going to stick around because why? It doesn't make a big impact. It doesn't make a whole lot of difference, but it does offer a slight amount of injury help because especially at first base, now there's more room for a first baseman to put in their foot while a runner's base runner running down the line is going to put their yeah. foot on the base. You hopefully avoid a little bit of collisions, a little bit of tripping instance things like that. So it's one of those minor changes that I will tell you, I've been at games at the bigger bases. If a fan can spot it, they are a really astute fan because you really just don't notice the difference.
0: Wilmer Flores, uh, check swing to end the Giants-Dodgers wild card game. Uh, you and I both know it's a check swing. It's the definition of one. It's the wrong call, regardless. Robo Ump doesn't pick that up and would have called it a ball. Uh, how do they feel about Robo Ump uh, at the major league level? The umpires union's against it, but how do they feel about it?
2: Well, okay. One thing is the Robo Umps right now, as it stands, that would still be the umpires' call. The right. Robo Umps only call the strike zone itself swing, not swing determinations is made right now as the mechanics go by the umpire. But Robo-Ump's right now, the answer I would say is this the mechanics of it have largely been worked out. I've been at games in 2019 and in 2021 that were using Robo-Ump's in the Atlantic League in 2019, in the minor leagues, in the low way Southeast League in 2021. It's subtle to where you barely notice the difference. The umpire, the home plate umpire has an earpiece, He hears very quickly. He or she hears ball, strike, and they call it. You don't notice a much difference. That said, there's a problem that's still being worked out, which is what exact strike zone should you call? The problem we've seen is, and we've used this right now in the lower level of the minors, the strike zone that an umpire calls varies based on situation. That's not an altogether bad thing. If a game's 10-2, to the umpire will make a bigger strike zone so we don't stay there all night watching guys walk, right? The guy doesn't have it and the game's out of hand, they're going to have a bigger strike zone. The Robo-lumps don't know that. The robo ump looks at it and says that's a ball. And so the game's 10-2, to two, the bases are loaded, he calls ball one, ball two, ball three, ball four. But those are things that you actually if you wanted to program, you could. You could say if if a team is down by 10 runs or more, Make the strike zone bigger. There are things you could do. I just don't know if anyone wants to really actually write down some of these unwritten rules that have been part of the game.
0: I know we had a limited time with you. I appreciate the time we always have with you, J.J. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. All right. J.J. Cooper, Baseball America. We'll come back. We'll update the Nick Rolovich situation at Washington State in a moment. Brought to you by Purdy Insurance on News Radio 1070 WKOK.
2: The weather is getting cooler and the leaves are changing in central PA. Hi, this is Season from Purdy Insurance. If your current agent is falling short, it's time to give Purdy Insurance a call. We're a local, family owned, independent agency ready to find the right insurance to fit your needs. You can call us at 570-286-5855, stop in our office on Market Street in Sunbury, or head to our website at prettyinsurance.com to find out what we can do for you.
0: All right, so let's get to, I mean, it hasn't been resolved yet, but at least to our knowledge, Nick Rolovich is the head football coach at Washington State. I'm going to venture to say the vast majority of you do not know that Washington State, which was picked last in the Pac-12 North, has actually won three games in a row, including a win over Stanford on Saturday. The question is, is that the last game Nick Rolovich coaches at Washington State? And... The reason is vaccination status. So Rolovich has um, maintained the entire time that for religious reasons, he's not going to get vaccinated. He was the only coach that did not attend the Pac-12 media day. He did his media appearance virtually. The state of Washington has a mandate that by today all state employees must be vaccinated unless there is an exemption. Rolovich has been seeking a religious exemption. And it's up to either I guess it's either up to Washington State University or the decision in Olympia, and again, there's a list of people. They're not like throwing Nick Rolovich to the front of the line. But the state of Washington set a deadline of today for all public employees to be vaccinated against COVID-19. He has not been vaccinated. He has replied for, applied for a religious exemption. If his exemption is denied, he cannot continue to work as the head football coach at Washington State. And again, he's in line. He said, look, I'm going to come in to work on Monday, which he has, get ready for BYU, going to grade the film. I don't think this is in my my hands. I've been settled for a long time in my decision. I believe it's going to work out the right way. And he talked about this in his press conference after the win over Stanford. But now he has to wait to see if the state rules in his favor. And he is still waiting. So he's in limbo right now. I mean, I guess it looks, I mean, I think that people are looking, we talked about the three-game winning streak. It looks like there are three possible outcomes To this, and it's a blind process that has a lot of mystery to it. And he says he's not going to change his mind about this because if he were to change his mind, he'd still. Say, for example, they said, look, uh, you have to or you're out, and he changes his mind. He says, okay, I'm just going to go down to a center and get vaccinated today. He still would have to wait 14 days. And... The story on him is—I mean, he hasn't really said much about it, but he—he's been asked about it. He finally did talk at least somewhat about it the other day, and he says, "Look, it's not in my hands," and that's where it stands. He could be out of a job. He could get his religious exemption, remain in the job, or the ruling is delayed. Because of the backlog of requests, and he just continues to work while they work through the backlog. And again, he's not going to be put to the front of the line in Olympia to do this. For the suit, that's the capital of Washington State. Oh my Almighty! Just. I give him credit. He, he, he reminds me I have to explain certain things.
1: S yes. U I T. That spells Suda.
0: Well, I asked him what he thought the capital of Washington was. He said Seattle. I said no. Second choice, Tacoma. No. Third choice, Spokane. No. Fourth choice, Bellingham. No. This is I, I, I found I gave up. Right, um, just it was it was sad. He still has $9 million remaining on his contract. They say that if he's dismissed, he's not going to get paid the money. And now, the process in all this, I know you're going to be shocked by this, is blind. I know you're shocked. (laughs) The government's involved, so it's blind. It's being done through, again, you'll be shocked, a committee. They will not know whose name it is. They'll just go through it and do it. And I know this will shock you even more, that the appeals process is, quote, nebulous. I know you're shocked by all of this when it comes to this, Okay. And the only way he's going to find out, I guess, is through an email. He'll just get a blind email saying, hey, look, you got approved or you're not. So that is the story on the head football coach at Washington State. But they're actually fighting for the Pac-12 Northern Division Championship with Oregon and Utah. So, I mean, you can find out it's denied, employment terminated. Okay? You could find out accommodation accepted, he continues to move on. Or it gets delayed because of a backlog of requests. So that's where he is. And he's not changing. Well, we found out today that Matt had his big bash down at Ron Jaworski's place. Oh, yeah. Jaws, Jaws was a no-show.
1: Um, Unfortunately.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: hey, what do you expect? Hey, I, I even asked just to be sure.
0: No-show. I could have told you that. NS, no-show. <laughs> Beautiful place, though. It better be. It was paid for with your with increased Eagles ticket prices. Just kidding. Hey, <laughs> your guy. Yeah. Even you are not an Eagles fan now.